Hey there, Season of the Bitch. It's Laura here. No funny quips to start this week. We've been a little shaken by what's going on in Gaza right now, and so we postponed our regular episode that we had for this week in light of those events. Just a trigger warning that we will be talking about pretty intense violence during this episode. So because this week we're all, or at least I hope people's minds are on the complete assault happening in Palestine right now. We're back here and we have with us Olivia from Portland, who was with us when we did our original Occupation of Palestine episode. So thank you so much, Olivia, for being with us again. Of course. Thanks for having me again. On such short notice with this complete disaster. Yeah. So I just maybe to start wanted to ask if you could talk about particularly what happened on Monday, but also what led up to the massacre on Monday and just kind of give some people background on what's going on now. Yeah, so on Monday, Israeli forces killed 62, I think the number is at now, 62 Mm -hmm. Palestinians who were gathered for a protest in Gaza and injured I think almost 4,000, half of whom were shot with live ammunition. And this was a, this was a, a march um, that is part of the Great March of Return, which began on March 30th, calling for an end to the blockade on Gaza and for the right of return for, for Palestinian refugees to their homes that they were expelled from. March 30th is uh, Land Day, which is a commemoration of a protest that happened in 1976 where the Israeli government also murdered unarmed Palestinian civilians and they have been mobilizing every Friday since March 30th Mm. and the Great March of Return is kind of culminating in the big day which was Monday which was um, Nakba Day anniversary of the Nakba which was when in 1948 Israel declared itself a state and Zionist militias massacred and expelled more than 750 thousand Palestinians from their homes. Every Friday that they've had a demonstration, the Israeli defense forces have murdered unarmed Palestinian civilians. They've had, you know, snipers set up just literally picking people off. Mm. Um, So since the start of the Great March of Return, they've killed 111 Palestinians uh, and wounded close to 12,000. So fucked. Yeah, yeah. I I think there were a, f- a bunch of records that I read coming out that one of the more striking things is it wasn't just kind of random. It was all these very intentional sniping assassinations, but on mass scale, you know. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, they after the the first protest, I think seventeen Palestinians were killed by the IDF that day. They put out a statement. That was like, we know exactly where every bullet landed. Uh, They later deleted that, obviously, because they got so much shit for it. But like, it's true. Like, they weren't lying. This is very intentional. This is not like, you know, their excuse is always like, we're defending the nation of Israel. But this is not out of self-defense. This is an intentional massacre. The first person to die by sniper fire was a farmer Mm -hmm. tending to his field at dawn. Like, were they shaking in fear from that farmer? No. They intentionally murdered him. It's a continuation of their very purposeful brutality. 
Uh, and you've probably seen the news that like many journalists have been shot at. A few have died. Mm-hmm. I saw that like many of them were shot in the exact same spot in the armpit, like right where their press vest doesn't cover. Like it's very intentional targeting that's happening. Yeah, it's super, it's super wild. And I think, or at least again, I'm hoping that for me, it's like been a, a process of really processing first and mourning the the violence and then seeing this fallout of the defense story that's coming out of it, which I which you're alluding to, you know, as well as like these things were so intentional and it was so obvious. And at first it was so open, particularly in journalism, because it wasn't there wasn't this massive international pressure that I think came later. And so you see like all these major news outlets changing their headlines and changing what is being written but also then you still have a bunch of them that aren't right that are still continuing to say that like uh what is the word that people kept using? clash yes clash Clash was a word (laughs) and also um yeah palestinians were uh palestinians died they right. died. Yes. Seriously. It's, it's just like, oh, no, this isn't just like spontaneous combustion. This was yeah. an extremely, extremely intentional action. No, that literally reminded me of like the show The Leftovers where like all the people disappear at once. It's like the whole show is dedicated to like figuring out what happened to them. Like, how did they disappear? How did they die? I just can't put my finger on how all these Palestinians <laughs> mysteriously died. Like the New York Times, they don't know. Right, exactly, exactly. And the New York Times uh, just posted on on the on the front page, um, and I believe this was today. Israelis reflect. I hope at least that each bullet was justified. Oh my God! It's just so unbelievable that today, after all of this fallout, yeah, the date on it is Wednesday, May sixteenth. And it's right below this picture of the view on Gaza on Tuesday. And it's, you know, with with just smoke everywhere. Mm -hmm. And yet they still have this headline. Yeah, I mean, a clash, the word clash, like that implies symmetry. You Mm -hmm. know, a clash is not snipers that belong to the most technologically advanced military in the world sitting behind a secured fence picking off unarmed civilians that's not a clash that's a massacre exactly so also since then we've seen stuff going at the united nations so a lot of what the u.s government has said which we need to obviously get into the fact that there was a fucking embassy opening that day Mm-hmm. But generally, the fallout and response from most politicians has been refusing to criticize Israel at all after the Israeli forces shot dead at least 61 unarmed Palestinian protesters on Monday. Uh, they have the right to defend their nation against kites. So <laughs> it was fine, actually. Uh, and and. You know, if if 61 isn't bad enough, I think we need to, of course, recognize that at this point, it's also more than 2,700 injured Palestinians. And so you see hospitals completely incapable of dealing with the mass amount of physical trauma that is happening, not to mention, like, the obvious mental trauma that is also happening. 
And I think they they noted that the the as of yesterday that there was one mild injury on the Israeli side and like they didn't specify what mild meant. But in my head, I'm like, this person got like a scratch. Yeah, that person probably fucking tripped over their shoelace. Yes, exactly. Uh, so at the United Nations, the U.S. ambassador, fucking Nikki Haley, um, mm-hmm. she blocked a call for international inter- investigation into Israel's actions. And on Tuesday, she repeatedly blamed the violence that is happening to the Palestinian people on Hamas while mm-hmm. praising Israel for sh- showing restraint. Olivia, why don't you, uh, do you want to respond to feelings of restraint at that <laughs> conflict? So she she was saying that, like, Israel is showing restraint. Oh, my God. That's what what her words were. She praised Israel for, quote, showing restraint during the demonstration. I mean, that doesn't surprise me that that's her position. I think that she would be in support of, like, a full-fledged, all-out massacre of, like, all Palestinians. So, yeah, in her eyes, I guess they are showing restraint. Mm. And additionally, she ended up walking out of the Security Council chamber when the Palestinian ambassador to the U.N. addressed the council. So she just essentially, again, it, we shouldn't be surprised. And I, I, I loved and I hope this is OK. You tweeted, uh, quote, I know Trump made the decision to move the embassy. But can we please shut the fuck up about how this position is an exclusively Trump phenomenon? As if all the fucking Democrats aren't unapologetically supportive of Israel and completely silent right now. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know that we could expect anything better from any other from a Clinton administration, for example, like Mm -hmm. maybe they'd fucking throw in some lines about like Palestinians, you know, they deserve dignity. No, they wouldn't even say that. They would say some (laughs) bullshit about like, you know, throwing a bone to Palestinians, but then they would do the same shit. I'm sure. Um, That's one of the things that like, and one of the many things that annoys me about the discourse around this is that, yeah, people are painting this, what's happening with uh, Nikki Haley and what's happened with the embassy move as if it's like a Trump administration phenomenon. And it's not Democrats of the resistance, like Chuck Schumer Mm. are fucking congratulating Trump for it. Like he was backing this the whole time. He backed it again on Monday and Tuesday, even after the, all of these reports came out, the rest of them are completely silent or they're spewing the same bullshit rhetoric about Israel being able to, defend its nation i mean every single one of them even bernie sanders who mm-hmm. like you know again tried to throw a bone to palestinians but he wrote something to the effect of like it was bad that israel killed palestinians uh but there was hamas violence you know that is just playing right into the narrative that Israel's pushing yeah and i think Ch- chuck schumer tweeted a bunch of bullshit but one of the things was the move to having a U.S. embassy is long overdue or having some sort of like acknowledgement of Jerusalem as Israel's rightful capital. And I'm just like, you're publicly saying this. And well, yeah, he's a fucking Zionist. Of course he's saying that. I mean, right. But also, like, where do we see the pressure? We see all this pressure, particularly among like just like general liberal folks who are just like, oh, it's Trump. Like, it's all Trump doing this stuff. And how can we how can we 
put more pressure and action on the larger picture? I mean, it's really it's really tough. I think pressuring your legislators to speak out is is necessary and good, but I don't know that it's enough. And I think that's why like BDS is such an important movement because yes. that is where we can really affect change. Like you can get involved in BDS at a very like local accessible level. Like find out if your city has contracts with companies that profit from the occupation. Find out if there are weapons manufacturers near you. I just found out like today actually that Leopold and Stevens is a, a big um, mm. rifle scope manufacturer and they're based right here in a suburb of Portland. And uh, I looked it up today and they have a contract with Israeli Defense Forces. They sell them rifle scopes. So it's extremely likely that the scopes on the sniper rifles that were used to pick off Palestinians over the past six weeks were made right here in Oregon. You can find out if your police department is cooperating in the deadly exchange, which is where local police departments send their forces to Israel to learn the tactics of brutality from the IDF. There was just that big victory in Durham, North Carolina, where they banned their police from participating in that exchange thanks to the pressure from BDS activists. So I really think that BDS is like one of the most effective ways. And it's really one of the only ways because all of these politicians are still completely towing this line that Israel is feeding them. Exactly. And until there's, I mean, I feel a lot of us on the left kind of, or at least many of our like trajectories into leftism was like, okay, okay, Democrats maybe aren't bad, but like, I still believe in the legislative process and it slowly devolves into like, <laughs> yeah, I can't have faith in this process anymore because I haven't seen myself or the mass amount of people who put pressure on people being recognized in any possible way. Yep. Um, so I'm grateful for, for what you said, because I think that is really true. And, and there's a lot of ways to get involved in BDS and and we'll link to some resources on that as well. I wanted to, before we get to, I know Rowan is on the ground over there, who was also on the previous Occupation of Palestine episode. and We miss you. We love you. We miss you and love you. And we hope that you are safe. And we are grateful for everything you're doing. And we stand in solidarity with you. So I, I, re- I recently read an interview that was on Democracy Now! And... This man, Norman Finkelstein, was talking about the power of nonviolent actions. And he was talking about how the global mobilization that is happening now is really similar to the global mobilization that happened when there were, he cited, 67 folks murdered during South African apartheid on this big day of a nonviolent action. And... I know that we've even talked about this on the last episode that we were, that we did on this, but sometimes those types of conversations strike me the wrong way. I mean, I, I do hope that there is a lot of international pressure and things change, but I do also think that when we frame these conversations in nonviolence versus violence, I just get nervous that people don't understand the rationale behind of violence on the Palestinian side um, and that it wouldn't be excused. And I feel like, as we spoke about before, I think we did the example of like, if someone's stepping on your foot and you ask them to get off and then they step on your foot harder and you ask them to get off and then they step on your foot so hard, you're going to push them off. And so I guess, what are your thoughts on the pedestal that people are putting nonviolent demonstration on? I mean, Nonviolent demonstration is one tactic. 
it's a tactic that has worked in some instances. It's a tactic that has not worked in some instances. I mean, you see it in every sort of movement that there are a variety of tactics that people explore. But I mean, you have to understand the conditions that people are protesting against and why some of them might be drawn to using violent tactics. I mean, Gaza is literally a prison. Like Israel controls the border to the north and Egypt controls the southern exit. They cannot get out. They are trapped there. We discussed this on the last episode, but like people that live in Gaza have to apply for permits just to leave to get medical treatment. They're denied all the time for no reason. They live without electricity. They they have no clean drinking water or barely any clean drinking water. Half of the residents that live there are unemployed and obviously they can't leave to go work anywhere else. Um, They've been living that way for over 10 years. And Israel says it's like about security. Uh, They've banned certain things from being imported because they could potentially be used as, quote, weapons, like pipes. Uh, Meanwhile, the people of Gaza can't even go to the ocean because the pipes of their sewage system are so busted that their sewage is going into the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, like these are the conditions that these people have been living in all of their lives. People that are, you know, nine years old, 10 years old, children, they don't know what it's like to live with electricity that's, that you can rely on. They don't know what it's like to, to live in, in a semi-normal environment where you, you have food and you have electricity, you have water, you have you know, education. I mean, they've lived under like three different large scale Israeli assaults already with bombing schools and hospitals. These are the conditions that have driven people to protest. And, you know, all you hear is Hamas, 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 you know, Hamas has tricked these people into being violent militants. And that's, <laughs> they. you think that Hamas somehow tricked 200,000 people to to take part in their like secret military operation? Or is it that the conditions they are living under are so horrific that they don't care whether they live or die to protest it? This is their only option. They are desperate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess to answer your question. Um... <laughs> and I know it's a hard kind of unanswerable question because it's hard to like be like, violently protest. But it's I just want mostly and I think you totally illustrated the point that like, we can't hold it up in that way because sometimes that sets an expectation that these Palestinians don't have the right to respond in ways that make sense. Yeah, I mean, if you were living in those conditions, would you get violent? I would. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't fucking... I, I don't blame anyone for having a violent response to violent repression. Right. We're going to have a quick music break, and we'll be right back.
So I had another question really quick, and I'm not sure if you know, but I was curious because I know that there is a long history with this, but I'm if you could talk a little bit about the significance of Jerusalem being recognized as the capital of Israel for Palestinian people. Yeah, so... Jerusalem has remained like internationally recognized as a sort of separate body because it is so contentious. I mean, Jerusalem historically has been the holy site for Jews, for Muslims, for Christians. So, you know, it, it was kind of this big chess piece. I've never played chess. I don't know if that's like a good <laughs> analogy, but uh, this important tool for the quote peace process mm. Um so, so the U.S. Embassy was previously in Tel Aviv, and the moving of the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem is a slap in the face for Palestinians. But it's kind of revealed what has always been true all along, which is that Israel isn't interested in a peace process, a two-state solution. I mean, the, the idea of a two-state solution would have split Jerusalem so that East Jerusalem would belong to the Palestinians. And, you know, a two-state solution is never going to happen. It's a shitty idea. Um, but as much as of a shitty idea that it is, Israel is not even interested in that. And the moving of the embassy gives them even more of an excuse to occupy and control and police all Palestinian life in the city. Yeah. I know you've been in contact with Roanne and she wanted us to share some specific things that she's been noticing while she's in Palestine. Yeah, so she wanted me to mention that a number of children have been killed during this during the Great March of Return by the IDF, including with live ammunition. And um, you may have heard most recently an eight-month-old baby was killed after she inhaled the tear gas that the IDF deployed on Palestinians with drones. And they also, it's the IDF is so fucking like their online presence is insane. Uh, you should look at their Twitter account. It's really, it's honestly fucking entertaining. But they, they've kind of been pushing this like feminist brand for a while. Like we have women fighters. We have pink fighter jets for breast cancer. That's obviously a whole crock of bullshit that I'm not even going to get into right now because as we all know, they systematically and brutally oppress Palestinian women. But uh, they put out a statement ahead of the Nakba Day protest saying that like, a good woman's place is in the home being an example for her children, not at protests. So, of course, they then proceeded to shoot at and murder women and children. But it's just, like, such a weird, weird thing to... It was so weird. Yeah, it's like, okay, so you're coming at this from this, like, 50s perspective while we know you... Like, this, like, classic narrative, which is Mm -hmm. so... It's almost comical because it's, like... You know, you must know that's a trope of like, better stay in the kitchen, better stay home. It's the the lady thing to do. That is that is literally what their online presence is. It's like someone commented today, like, is this click hole? Like that is it's so bad. It's almost funny if it weren't horrific. Right. Uh, right. Like they posted like murdering people. They posted a graphic I think today or yesterday that was like, saying, like, those crafty Palestinians can turn anything into a deadly weapon. Kites, wire cutters, and, like, they had all these, like, pictures. It was honestly funny. Wow. 
this so this is maybe a, a tiny bit of a tangent but um last week i went to go see this man speak and i thought he was going to be speaking about palestinian solidarity he's this guy who was part of rabbis per, for peace he's like put himself in the line of fire between idf forces and palestinians and so i was like cool this guy's probably a good dude and i'm interested to hear what he has to say he proceeds to consider himself a zionist and then also talked about or i'm sorry so i just want to give that a little background and then someone from the audience who was like a right-wing zionist troll who was there present there was like a whole group of them who was like recording the whole thing was like what about all of these what is it i think she literally said molotov cocktails what about all these molotov cocktails being created on the border what would you do to protect your borders wouldn't you do this and instead of just being like what the fuck are you talking about he like he actually engaged with this woman and so part of my curiosity is like how fucked up has the misinformation come that even that people are even questioning this absolute nonsense yeah so two things first thing Another thing that the IDF put out online was this video. It was like, if these people were like one mile away from your home, how would you respond? And they showed like where the Israeli soldiers were. And then they like had this drone camera go over the border fence. I'm making motions right now as if you can see me. Uh, (laughs) They had this drone camera go over like the border fence and then go over to Gaza where you could see the protesters and it's like from the IDF was trying to paint it as like ooh look at these like very dangerous militants but in reality it showed like the fucking barren wasteland that they have made Gaza like it Mm -hmm. was it was awful it's like well shit I guess I'd be throwing Molotov cocktails too if I had to be trapped in a fucking open air prison like that right oh the other thing I said two things the other (laughs) thing is uh, I want to talk about liberal zionists yes Um, yes fucking tear them apart it's just so i mean what is a zionist a zionist is a person that supports the jewish state which by definition is an ethno state you can't how can you reconcile the founding of israel was because they ethnically cleansed hundreds of thousands of palestinians you see all these people like putting out these statements like oh i I believe in Israel, but not like this. Like, I never wanted it to come to this. It's like, how do you think it was founded? This is how it all started. You didn't want it to come to this? This is how it came to be. This Um, was literally what it was founded on. Yes. And, like, the idea of a two-state solution is already absurd because of the way that Israel was formed by ethnically cleansing Palestinians and building settlements on their land. And to herd them all away from their homes into one bordered area is treating them like cattle. That's still ethnic cleansing. Palestinians could never have the right of return with a two-state solution. Why should they have to leave and go somewhere else because Israel refuses to stop massacring them and expelling them from their homes because they're not Jewish? And the reason Israel rejects the idea of a like democratic one one-state solution it really shows them for what they are. They want an ethno state. Right. They say, well, with a one state solution, then we'd be outnumbered uh, because they are a minority ruling over a majority right now. And mm-hmm. they're able to do that largely because of their military might, thanks to the United States. So like, yeah, they are already outnumbered. The problem is that they want complete control. They want to be colonizers and occupiers and rulers. They don't want to be equal. So it really, that whole conversation really exposes Zionism for what it is. Yeah. 
And it's like Zionism currently is often built on the backs of settlement building, which is extra or like continuing the expulsion of Palestinians from their homes. And he he was saying all these things like I stood between, you know, the bulldozers and the homes to try to like reckon with these people. And I was like, but you still believe that these homes should be built. Yeah. So what are you talking about? Oh, my God. I don't understand. (laughs) Doesn't make sense. I was losing my mind. Losing it. And I wanted to, I don't know, I haven't looked into this. I, I, I haven't done as much research on this as I would like, but I was wondering if you had anything to speak on related to the most recent conflicts between Israel and Iran. I do not. I am not well enough informed about that to speak on that. Totally. That's totally fine. I just was like, I I feel like all this shit is happening because of the U.S., including like. Oh, yeah, totally. The the U.S. being like, we're not going to do the Iran deal anymore. And the U.S. being like, we're going to literally fund all of the massacres that you choose to do, whether it's on Syrian people, Iranian people, and obviously most regularly and most obscenely Palestinian people. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the main reasons why we invaded Iraq was because Israel wanted to. Right. So, yeah, that's totally true. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I want to talk about... So I've seen people react negatively to the word genocide being used in the situation, mm. um, saying that, that what's happening is not genocide, like genocide is too strong of a word. Uh, but it's not too strong of a word. It is genocide. It's a mass deliberate killing of a people, which is the definition of genocide. Some of that, like we've seen over the past six weeks, has been direct execution by sniper fire. But it's also a systemic genocide in the form of denying them medical treatment, denying them the food and water and aid they need to survive, denying them dignity to even live like a fully human life. It's a it's a slow death that way for many people, but it's still genocide. So I don't think that we need to shy away from using that term because that's what it is. Absolutely. I feel like people, particularly in this circumstance, get their heckles all raised because they think that genocide was something that could only, or in in white people's minds, mm-hmm. can only be used for the systemic execution of Jewish people in, you know, when we think about World War II. But obviously, if you expand outside of that, there's genocides that have happened. There was genocide when settlers first came to the United States. There's genocide all throughout the world, throughout history. It isn't just something that happened to Jewish people. And to suggest, I think people think that because in this circumstance, Zionist Israelis are are perpetrating the genocide they don't they can't like reckon with the fact that that has happened yeah i mean gaza is a fucking concentration camp the similarities are striking it's very clear that what is happening is genocide and it's actually very similar to what happened to the jews during world war ii yeah is there anything else you want to add i don't think so any Uh, resources you think are important to check out right now I do want to send you, maybe just include it in like the description. Sure. 
but it's a it's a map that shows how much your state spends in taxpayer money on weapons to Israel. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting, um, and hopefully, it like leads people to kind of look into that stuff further and figure out how to stop that from happening. Absolutely. I feel like that's a a perfect thing to put pressure on, particularly when we have all these teachers going on strike and on the state level. We can just be like, see, just take that right out of that pile and put give it right into our teachers. Totally. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you so, so much for coming on. And I know you had to like coordinate with me really quickly. And I appreciate (laughs) that. (laughs) Thanks for thinking of me. And thank you for doing this. Yeah, of course. And we'll talk to you soon. thanks again for listening in as always you can find us on facebook twitter instagram all of that at season of the bee we also have merch up on our website seasonofthebee.com you can send us your music or just give us general feedback at seasonofthebee at gmail.com. And please check out our resources in the description so that you can learn more about this issue and keep up to date on what's happening with the assault on Palestinian people.